This is Greg Olson here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. Welcome to the home of professional football, Canton, Ohio. Hello and welcome to another episode of the College to Canton podcast, the perfect show for any and every college football and NFL fan. I'm your host, Travis May. If you're joining us for the first time, College to Canton is a show where we talk about everything from college football recruiting to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And we always talk some fantasy football, but we always make sure to dive into some real college football and NFL analysis too. And last week, we talked pandemic-proof prospects, players that have done enough to lock up some future NFL draft capital already, and some others that desperately need some sort of season still to prove their worth to NFL franchises. And this week, my special guests and I will be talking about the state of college football right now, what we want to see come out of it, what happens without a season, and then on the back half, get into some college prospects and NFL draft again, but in a unique way. We'll be drafting our top 10 college football teams based on how well we think their current players will do in the NFL, and I'll break that down more in the back half of the episode with my second guest. But first, I am joined by a very special guest today, Braden Gall, at Braden Gall on Twitter. If you've listened to sports radio around Nashville, Tennessee, or on, on ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, or tuned in to Athlon Sports Cover 2 podcast. You may already be quite familiar with his voice, but Braden, thanks for joining me and welcome to the show. Yeah, sure, man. Good to be here. Always love talking ball, for sure. Yeah, it's it's a blast. Uh, hopefully we get to see some ball here pretty soon. Uh, I think we were probably uh, more confident about that about, you know, even a, a couple weeks ago when schedules were still dropping and we thought we'd actually, you know, even what, five, six days ago, we were hearing about yeah. Big Ten scheduling. So, but first off, we have a lot of listeners that, that fancy themselves experts on college and NFL, and I'm sure some would even aspire to get into sports media professionally. So can you, Braden, just talk briefly about your background and journey into college football and, and sports radio life uh, overall wow um <laughs> man it's been it's been so long um i i it's funny i got i was an advertising major uh, in college i had a broadcasting and business double minor so i was dancing around the idea of of sports media without actually knowing i was doing it <laughs> in terms of study i played every sport growing up i you know had a, a small some small offers to play football and just was going to go to college to go to college so i ended up at a big big state school and was working at a rock and roll station because I fell in love with radio and was doing, you know, promotional guy. I was out at the gas station, like, come on by, like, you know, you know, that whole thing. And, <laughs> oh, you nice. know, donate money for the schools, school supplies and, you know, on stage <laughs> doing stuff like introducing bands and, and like special events and stuff. So I was like sort of learning the business through music, which has always been a huge passion. And then, you know, a lesson that I, I think everybody should learn in radio in particular, which is that the format can change instantly and everyone can lose their job. A hip hop channel that I, that was in the, un, in, under the building that I worked in changed to a sports channel, like overnight, like one wow. weekend they decided to go from hip hop <laughs> to sports. And so everybody I knew clearly on the hip hop channel wasn't going to work. They asked me like, Hey, do you want to learn? Do you want to be a producer? Do you want to do some stuff on this sports channel? I was like, hell yeah, absolutely. Started producing a, a midday show, like, like a two hour lunch hour thing. And then randomly, a fill-in host worked at Rivals.com and took my resume in to Rivals. And like three weeks later, I was moving to Nashville to, to work for Rivals.com. And wow, that got awesome. me started at Sirius. And then Athlon hired me, which is also headquartered here. It's just a, a weird – Nashville is just a weird place for college athletics. Yeah. Athlon I, Sports has been headquartered here. Rivals.com was headquartered here. 24-7 Sports was headquartered here. Uh, Blue Ribbon Yearbook has largely been headquartered here. Maybe Chattanooga if you want to mix in Chattanooga. But – you know, from there, Sirius XM hired me back in like 2011 or so. 
as a host instead of a producer and you know just been hosting ever since did the local show for a couple of years and yeah. uh, ESPN radio technically I'm still employed by them did yeah. that scoreboard show last year you know across the country so it's been a crazy journey and I don't know what radio holds I my advice to people is be willing to be poor and frustrated for about <laughs> eight to ten years and if you make it through that eight to ten years then you might be able to keep keep a career um, but uh, learn how to do as much stuff as possible. Diversify. I know it sounds like old, old middle-aged dad here, but like <laughs> learn your learn all the new technologies. Learn social media. Learn how to do video editing. Learn how to do you know stand-ups. Learn how to be on camera, behind the camera, around the camera, after the camera, before the camera. Like learn all of it. Microphone, <laughs> every side, and, everything. And if you do all of that, and learn how to write and edit and, and all that stuff too. If you can do all of that, then you can make yourself really versatile and valuable. And, and again, it's not an industry you get into because uh, you're trying to get rich. So. Right, right. Well, I appreciate you just taking some time to share that because I know a lot of times, you know, even on on local shows you're doing, you don't take a lot of time to really just talk about how you got here. And even just from somebody who's listened to Nashville Sports Radio, and I'm sure a bunch of our listeners, their local radio, they've heard the same voices for maybe years, but haven't really heard how in the world did this guy get here? Or even when they introduce somebody new, it's like, Hey, here's this new guy. Blah. You know, yeah. there, there may be like five minutes in which you get to kind of talk about that one time. And then it's on to every, every 10, 15 minute segment has to be in, engaging. So yeah. Well, that, and and awesome. it's, it's super, it's what's super weird about the business is I've never submitted a resume. Like, I don't think I've submitted a resume or had an interview for a job since like 2007. <laughs> like it's it's just so weird like Sirius XM just said hey we want you to do a show and, and throw you out there by yourself for the first time ever on national radio and see if you can do it and I was like okay <laughs> and I've been yeah. hosting ever since it actually was my I think it was my 30th birthday actually and then you know we went to our local station here a friend of mine wanted to work together so we went to them and said hey you guys are just you know, running syndicated content in the morning, we've always wanted to work together. Let us work together. And they said, okay, well, we'll give you guys a chance. And it ended up being three years and a cup run and an AFC <laughs> championship run and like all this crazy cool stuff that I'd never experienced before. And, and ESPN, the biggest giant in all of sports, you know, I, I talked to my, he called me, we talked and, and like without even a conversation, without even an interview, without a demo tape, without a reel, without anything by the, like within 10 minutes, he was like, so we, uh, we do one year contracts and blah, 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 blah. I was like, what? <laughs> oh, so you're hiring me? And he was like, yeah. yes. And I was like, okay, all right, cool. And, um, That's I've had great. four jobs. You got to grind, yeah. um, take every opportunity you can, but like, it's just, you know, it's just a bizarre, it's a bizarre business. <laughs> it's a bizarre industry. Ironically, also terrible at communicating. The entire business is a communicate. Communication is is our business, not our strategy. Um, there you go. In, that that in, probably sums in, it up. <laughs> sports media, they sports media people do not know how to communicate. It's insane. You know, it's it's funny. Even like in prep for this show, I was I was finding myself miscommunicating. <laughs> Just about. Well, me too. Yeah. So that's perfect. That's fantastic. But before we dive in, into more, just kind of uh, you know future prospects and and the state of college football, I do want to jump in and into the uh, this week's FFPC stat attack. The FFPC is the best place to play fantasy football leagues season long. Uh, since the 2016 NFL draft, there have been 22 quarterbacks drafted inside the first three rounds. 15 of those 22 quarterbacks logged at least one season above nine adjusted yards per pass attempt. And since 2017, 13 of the 16 that have logged at least one year above nine adjusted yards per pass attempt. And this past year, all five day one and day two quarterbacks logged at least one of those such seasons in their college career. It's it's interesting to me to see that progression and that growth in that direction. And that's your FFPC stat attack of the week, myffpc.com, the home of season-long fantasy football. But, but really, we're seeing more and more analytics in football and, and analysis and teams bringing on analytics and analytic type minds and really hiring full-time staff and going in that direction. So I'm just curious. I don't know if you've kind of dove into that with the Titans staff or anybody else here locally, but how they kind of work that in because uh, adjusted metrics uh, that, that are basically kind of trying to uh, trying to find efficient players, especially passers to be the most right. impl- important player on those rosters. That's key. So have you, have you talked to anyone like locally about how that's changed? Yes, not just football. And um, a lot of it is probably off the record. Uh, I I would say this. I think every decision maker on a professional personnel level. So if you want to talk NFL, if you want to talk NHL, if you want to talk certainly baseball, we know baseball is huge into this world with the, the, the massive sample sizes of data. But 
I think as we are learning more in sports like hockey and soccer, where you can actually track a, a person's body movement in real time and just collect massive amounts of data, I think work rates and things like that for those two sports are very, very big contributors to decision makers. I think every every t- like every coach may not be you know all in on analytics. There, there's <laughs> yeah. varying degrees of of of, but every staff has somebody handling it, right? Sometimes the coach is the super nerd. Sometimes <laughs> it's the guy down the list that's the super nerd. Yeah. In soccer, generally, and on MLS teams, the technical director who is the GM of the team is very, very, very deep into analytics. Um, and so I know Mike Jacobs at Nashville SC is really big into that stuff. Peter Laviolette for the Preds used to be very big into that stuff. And not necessarily him, but his staff. Yeah, uh, I know John Robinson and the Titans are big into that stuff. I think the further you get with resources in college football – the more you're, you're, you you have the ability to do that. I'm not sure the head coach at Akron has the budget to have a big analytics <laughs> yeah. staff, but that's just a that's just a budget thing. If he if yeah, if he absolutely. if he could, he would, right? So I think you know with football, it's a little different because it's such a game of there. There's so much chance involved with football, an unpredictability. You you could ten guys on the field could execute perfectly, and and one the eleventh guy takes one wrong step, and all of a sudden the play completely falls apart. And so it's 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 a little bit trickier, but I. I'm a huge yards per play guy. I think yeah. I've been on the yards per play, and I know there's there's further steps and evolutions of the yards per play. You already used the adjusted there, right? Yeah. So I think be, being early adapter to going away from total yards per game and just moving even just to yards per play, even I think was a big step for most college football fans and, and NFL fans. NFL is a little different because the gaps are far smaller, but yeah, I, I, I think just how efficient are you on each play? was a big transition for me probably f- probably five or six years ago. And I, just I have how looked, people talked about it with you. Like just- Yeah, like everything that I did when I first started as a college football fan or even, you know, in the media, 05, 06, 07, it's all just yards per game, yards per game, yards per game, points per game, points per game. It wasn't about points per trip inside the red zone or the green zone or the 40-yard line. It wasn't about explosive plays. It wasn't about, you know, how efficient are you on first down because that's going to dictate how many times your drive will end in X number of points. Like, it, it wasn't ever about that. And then I think – and I don't know if it's tied to the spread offense changing the game and proliferating it, it a little be. bit more. It might be a little bit. Maybe, <laughs> probably it is because if you're going to run 85 plays a game versus 55 plays a game, there has to be a way to compare those two – teams from an efficiency standpoint and that is where yards per play came in for me and I think probably right around the zone read with Rich Rod and Mike Leach's system of the air raid being so popular you know 2010-ish so maybe even 10 years now I would say I made a big switch from I don't really care about yards yards per game like I don't right. care if you had 480 yards like I don't care like how'd you get how there? many play how, yeah. how'd you get there how many plays did, did how efficient are you on every snap offensively and defensively and I think that's started to permeate every aspect. There's still a few people that hold out and they're like, oh, yards per play, you nerd. And I'm like, well, okay, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, there. but, it, you know, it's just, I don't think you can ignore it anymore. Absolutely. And there's all sorts of metrics we could nerd out here about. But just curious, are you a Burrow guy or a, a Tunga Vailoa guy? Cause they're both. Yes. Yes. Um, both. <laughs> yeah. I mean, too, it's all about health. I think the only real questions about either one of them from a prospect standpoint are, are, are maybe like how high end is your arm strength for Joe Burrow and how healthy are you for Tua? Otherwise it's, you know, longer motion maybe with Tua. I just don't think there's many questions. And, and here's the big issue, maybe not the big issue, but an important issue to remember the, the windows in the NFL are a little bit bigger than they used to be. And that's, for a number of reasons, you know, all the rule changes that have gone to help receivers be open, to help quarterbacks stay upright, to stop defenders from finishing a play in one way or the other, whether it's in the pocket or in the secondary, everything is going to allowing the quarterback to be more successful earlier with, and I don't want to say lesser skill set, but like in 1983, when Dan Marino comes in and throws for like 5,000 yards, he's doing it against a very different Ridiculous. type of team and, and yeah. defenses oh, than, than, than Drew Brees is doing now. So I think the skill sets, it, it feels like an insult to say, oh, it's easier for quarterbacks today to be successful. That's sort of what it is. It, it doesn't take away from Joe Burrow or Tunga Vailoa or you know, any, of these, any of these other guys. You still have to make great decisions and be within a you know, a realm of, of elite talent to be successful. But I, I do think that, that the bar has 
come down a, a, a tiny bit on whether or not you can find success and how quickly you can find success in the NFL yeah. as a prospect. And not only that, how quickly quarterbacks are finding success in college football. I think I think of like Keaton Slovis and, and Sam Howell this year, just absolutely balling out of, out of nowhere. And, and guys like, uh, you know, even like Tanner Morgan, who people are going to question his arm strength out of Minnesota, you know, and, and what he was, what that scheme allowed him to do. But it's those schemes that have really changed the game that have set up, up these passers to succeed in a big way. So outside of Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, do you have an eye on a third quarterback next spring that uh, that you might have in the hat? Because I'm not sure at this point Trey Lance can come out if he's not going to be playing this year. He has one crazy season of 28 touchdowns and zero interceptions. But if it's not him, do you have a name in your hat? Well, you're talking just 2021 because yeah. I'm obsessed with the sophomore class. I, I, oh, that's yeah. the 2022 draft class. I'm, you know, Sam Howell is is somebody I'm I'm completely obsessed with. Um, yeah, and same. and a, you know, a four star player, pretty big recruit. Jaden Daniels is in that class. Arizona State. Slovis, yeah. Slovis truly did come out of nowhere with like no offers, playing like eight man football in like Arizona or whatever. Uh, you know, I don't know how big of a prospect Brock Purdy is uh, at Iowa State. You know, his size, maybe the arm strength. He takes too many chances. He's he's not as good sort of in the, the framework of the offense, which is what he's going to be working on should he have played this season. But man, the guy is just a total gamer. Um, yeah. I love watching him play. He's a junior. So you, you mentioned Morgan as a junior. Big success uh, with two really good receivers last year as a sophomore. So I'm 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 sure I'm missing somebody because I'm I'm not I don't have the list in front of me. But I am obsessed with the the sophomore class of right. quarterbacks. No, I, um, I agree completely. Right like, like that trio that you mentioned, Hal and Slovis and and uh, Daniels. That's that's what everyone's nerding out about because I mean they've they've shown to be efficient crazy on high volume like just some great touch passes and to be yeah. in some shootouts and big games I mean how it almost beat Clemson last year so it's just crazy uh how quickly quarterbacks and are, are figuring things out uh these days uh but really just want to down the stretch here want to give you an opportunity I really appreciated your uh episode the shorter episode of of cover two that came out on Sunday where you kind of just talked about the state of college football because where we are, it's going to change the lives of a ton of young people we're going through a crazy change as a nation, if anything could come out of all this mess, what, what do you hope happens for college football and, and all these prospects and young players coming in? Uh, man, <laughs> what a question. loaded, yeah, <laughs> loaded question. Uh, we we care about each other more. I don't know. Like, yeah. uh, I think that's one thing that I think is not even college football related. I just think that we we've we've been put against each other by people in control, and I, and and we've allowed ourselves to to fight about stuff and, and we shouldn't have, we should have been focused on each other. And I think that's number one. I think the, the college football stuff is, you know, everybody loses their minds when they see the headline about players demanding revenue share. It's, not, it's probably not going to happen. Everything else that players are asking for is that, you know, fighting task task force for racial justice, like academia loves task force. Like what are you talking about? Uh, healthcare and, and pr- proper coverage of COVID, like all these things, like everybody sort of agrees with everything they're asking about. Oh, you're going to make some money from an Instagram post. Like that doesn't affect your life as a football fan. So I think a lot of these things that are going to happen that'll come out of this for the athletes are going to be really good and and largely will have zero impact on your life. Like a transfer <laughs> rule where everyone can transfer, guaranteed for your scholarships. Like this is not going to have a, an impact on your life as a college football fan. Like if you're Ohio State fan or a Tennessee fan or a Texas fan, you're still going to sit on, on your couch on Saturdays and watch your team exactly the same way just <laughs> yeah. because they're making a little extra money uh, because they get to talk to an agent or maybe they got drafted and came back because they didn't get drafted. Like there, there could be some rules that are all very beneficial for athletes because basically the, the curtain's been pulled back on, on, on this amateurish model in, in particular during this pandemic. You take all the risk. We're going to make all the money. You can't collectively bargain any of your rights. That's basically <laughs> where we are. And so I, I think most of that stuff is all positive. Like nobody really cares about most of that stuff. And most people think it's okay. Again, name, image, and likeness is part of that. I, I don't think revenue is ever going to be a part of that. But you know, we we can see. I, I think that the stuff that will have an impact negatively on college football writ large is is maybe more. Pro- programs in the middle tiers, the Yukons of the world, like these programs that are going to have to cancel football for a year or, you know, maybe not have football in a couple of years because it's just yeah. not, it's just too expensive to manage at the lower level when you're not generating the same level of revenue as an Alabama or an Oklahoma. So I, I am concerned that, you know, we've expanded from like 110 to 130 over the last 20 years in, in the FBS highest ranks of college football. I'm concerned that we come back in two years or, or whatever and it's, it's down to 105 or something like that. That's what I'm concerned about is G5 teams that can't afford to 
to stay afloat. So that that yeah. that's a concern. We could earmark money for them if we needed to. That would, in theory, be trickle down economics if that really actually worked. Uh, but it doesn't. And and so the big programs keep all the money and advantages for themselves and make bigger waterfalls and sort of trimming that excess. I think is also something that most people don't care. Like, and then that's the other. That's another difficult topic about this. All that excess spending at the highest levels. You know, a lot of that is benefiting the athletes, frankly. When you get a barbershop and a you're living in a five-star resort at Oregon or Texas yeah. A&M or whatever, oh, like some of that money is just going back into the athlete's experience in life. And that is that is a good thing. So you want to be careful not to take that away. Waterfalls, really? Like how tall do we need a waterfall to be? Like 112 <laughs> yeah. feet, and, 95 and feet? Fans don't bonus, care about that. You know, like, yeah, like, like bonuses for six and six bowl appearances, like for athletic directors, like give me a break. Bonuses for academic? Come on. Like this stuff is... You could fund like 16 women's programs with like a bonus for going to the Independence Bowl when you're Mississippi State and you're six and six. Like it's just, <laughs> that, that doesn't need to happen. No. These guys make millions of dollars. It doesn't need to happen. Absolutely. Well, I, I hope that there are some good things that come out of this. I, my hope is that there aren't, you know, there isn't this backlog of, of incoming recruits and it kind of messes up their scholarship offers. There's all these things that they're talking about. And, and yeah. I, I hope, I guess what would be interesting is if players could speak into their own value and they could get the name and image likeness thing figured out and they do actually figure out the one-time transfer and they do kind of really serve the players even better but as as fans it might not necessarily affect us a whole lot but how we kind of talk about nerdy fantasy football and and prospect analysis and things I think the transfer rule among other things could kind of change it because sure. a huge part of what we do as like super fantasy football nerds is like we dive into like production profiles and so transfers could really throw a wrench in that but as long as there's more flexibility and more power to the players, I'm all for it. That's yeah. That's, yeah. If, that's if JT Daniels wants. is eligible immediately at Texas Tech versus Georgia, I mean his fantasy value is very different. So right. yeah, exactly, <laughs> right. exactly. But anyway, Brayden, I, I I appreciate you uh, stopping by just and talking to me about some sports, about how you sure, got to where you were, some state of college football stuff, everything. But uh, really looking forward to what's what's next. Uh, for you, just what we were talking about pre-show. I wish you the best as you're uh, working on something yep. big. But uh, thanks again for Stay your time. Tuned. Yep. Yeah. Any anything else you want to <laughs> kind of plug or before you? Uh, no, just uh, yeah, th- just check out the Cover Two podcast. There, uh, college football, all one thirty. Rate, review, and subscribe. You know, follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall and keep your head on a swivel. So awesome. All right, thanks, man. You have a good one. Yeah, absolutely. You too. Well, all right. That was Braden Gall at Braden Gall on Twitter from ESPN, Sirius XM, and Athlon Sports Cover 2 podcast. On the other side, I'm joined by another guest giving you a two-for-one this week. We'll be drafting our top 10 college football teams based on how we believe their current players will do in the NFL and breaking down some exciting players. But first, a word from our sponsors. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL with NFLSundayTicket.tv. You can stream every live, out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices. Plus, Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. Have you ever heard of DealDash.com? It's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you'd never expect at a price you'd never believe. They have over 1,000 auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at $0 and only goes up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is that auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer or the item is yours. If you go ahead and buy now, DealDash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign-up on top of their other discounts. Go to DealDash.com and use the offer code ROTOVIZ or go to DealDash.fm slash ROTOVIZ. That's D-E-A-L-D-A-S-H dot F-M slash ROTOVIZ. Okay, so guest number two, I am joined by Shane Hallam at Shane P. Hallam of the Debbie Marketplace podcast. He does some Debbie and Dynasty analysis for fake pigskin and NFL draft work for draftsite.com. Welcome to the show, man. Hey, I appreciate it, Travis. I'm I'm definitely a big fan of the show, so I'm happy to be here and and talk some draft, talk some college football. It's always a good time. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it was it I don't know when that was. I guess it was probably about 
time flies and, and when we're in this pandemic, but it was probably, I guess, two <laughs> months ago uh, that you and I were on the Debbie Marketplace podcast together. I think that was actually even before you were co-hosting that uh, with with right. uh, Kane over there. Uh, but yeah, glad to have you on. I always enjoy talking college football. For guests that aren't familiar with, with Shane, uh, he and I are some of the biggest nerds on the planet when it comes to weird fantasy football formats. And uh, some of you know that I, I kind of named the podcast after this format called College to Canton and uh, Fantasy Football. So the show is going to be a little bit split here. It was kind of more real football focused on front end, a little bit more fantasy football on the back end. But we're going to have a little draft here, a little fantasy draft, I guess we could call it, of our top 10 college football teams that we believe are going to have the most successful NFL draft prospects heading to the pros here in the next the next few years. So that not just this coming year, but you know, looking at even some of their incoming freshmen and sophomores and things like that that are probably going to still find their way to the pros. And uh, the idea for this actually stemmed from this kind of crazy nerdy league that we're in right now. It's it's 100 rounds of drafting players that are currently still in college and we don't even start keeping points until the year 2022 uh so we're drafting college players even some kids kids that are still in high school just basically trying to say who's the best at predicting the future when it comes to nfl draft prospects so it's perfect for this this show because we you know we cover everything from college football recruiting to the pro football hall of fame but that journey we're trying to get ahead of it uh, with the pinnacle of Debbie League, and so I was just looking at how many t- how many players on every single one of these teams are, we're projecting are going going to go pro, and so I was like, okay, let's see which schools we believe are going to be the best, and so we may not get all these teams even playing this fall. But hopefully we can talk about uh, some of the top players, top playmakers uh, that make their schools great. And if you were here at the beginning of the first few episodes on the show, we actually did a, an NFL University series breaking it down by position. But now we're going to break it down by school. So kicking it off with the first pick of the college football team draft, Shane. Let's just waste no time. Hop right in with your first pick in the college football team draft. Who are you going to select and why? I, I, th- I think there's kind of a, a big three here, but I- I'm going to take Alabama. Uh, I think it's just kind of the safest choice in this draft. I mean, a quarterback, you're getting Bryce Young, who who's my favorite freshman quarterback coming in. Uh, in that pinnacle league, I drafted him in the second round. I just think this is he's a, a more athletic Tua. And so I-, I think you get him. And even Mac Jones, I think, could – could get drafted, could be a Greg McElroy type. Uh, I mean, running back, Alabama just churns out NFL talent. Najee Harris, Trey Sanders. I like the freshmen coming in, uh, Roy Dell Williams and Jason McClellan. And then we, we know about those receivers. And Devonta Smith's going to be a first-round pick. Jalen Waddle's going to be a top-50 pick. I think John Mechie is a sophomore that can do some damage. And, and I, I think their defense is what really sells me, right, um, because you have Dylan Moses, who I think is going to be a high first-round pick. Patrick Sertain's going to be a high first-round pick. And then I like some of the younger guys that they have. Shane Lee, uh, someone that took over from Moses last year, played really well. Uh, I think he's going to end up doing something. They have some some good defensive line prospects. So to me, I think Alabama's the safest. And I trust Nick Saban and that staff to develop guys that that I don't even necessarily think are NFL prospects yet. Guys we haven't seen play. Uh, maybe incoming freshmen that are lower stars. We see that happen a lot. So if, if there's a team I trust over the next four years to continue to be dominant and turn out NFL talent, uh, Alabama's my number one. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it's not even just like the like you said, the, the fantasy picks. It's like the real both sides of the ball, defensive and offensive. Alabama's just been knocking it out of the park from a recruiting standpoint, from just actual college re- results and wins. And, and then just both sides of the ball, they've sent tons of players to the pros. Uh, their defense has been lights out. I'm excited to see what comes of that. Pick two, I thought you were going to go with Alabama. So at pick two it is, <laughs> is tough. Uh, but I think I'm actually going, going to go with Ohio State, the Ohio State, even though I'm a Purdue fan. And, and it pains me to say it. They, they just keep on cranking out some good talent. And really, if you look at t- the top of the 2021 NFL draft, They've just got, obviously, right out of the gate, you got Justin Fields going pro, probably going to be a top five pick, even though he has one season to his name. And then you've got, I mean, guys like wide receivers that we're looking forward to, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson. They just brought in a, a few other freshmen that are all incredible with Jackson Smith and Jigba, Julian Fleming, 
G. Scott Jr., and then and that's just you know the fantasy football names. <laughs> but I mean, on, on both sides, they've got some great playmakers. Sean Wade at corner is supposed to be a first round pick perhaps next year. Although he did get absolutely burnt, I'll never forget how how bad he got burnt by Rondell Moore a couple years ago. Oh, but yeah. uh, he, he is looking like a first round corner. But they've got some some recruits that are coming up that are just incredible as well. Uh, so I have to hang my hat on uh, a Big Ten school, maybe the only Big Ten school in this draft, perhaps. But but it's just a bunch of guys that I'm really excited about there. But kind of backtracking, who are you most excited about uh, on Alabama right now, just for fantasy football purposes? I think for fantasy football, I, I'm excited about Devonta Smith, and and I, I think he's just a, a rock solid prospect, such a good route runner. I mean, the production last season of getting nearly 1,300 yards, mainly focused in the SEC, that just doesn't happen when you look back outside of Jamar Chase last year. Devonta Smith was the best receiver in the SEC in terms of production. You know, I, I even went back kind of looking at the Julio Jones and the, the AJ Greens, and that doesn't always happen. So I think he's kind of one, one of those those really safe guys in Alabama that that's gonna uh, gonna gonna crush it. I think NFL teams are just gonna love the consistency and and him coming back if if they play. I think there's no doubt he's going to increase the stock and and could be the second receiver off the board. Yeah, absolutely. I I could see him going really early. Like you said, as early as probably the second wide receiver. I think Jamar Chase for LSU is probably the the safest wide receiver uh, next year. Uh, Just what he did last year, it was just you can't even really compare him to any wide receiver because it's just – there's almost no one who's had a season like me. I mean, Joe Burrow had the best quarterback season ever. Jamar Chase very nearly had the most incredible wide receiver season we've ever witnessed, right? I mean, it's just insane. But De- Devontae Smith outproducing two first rounders last year, Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs, uh, posting like an adjusted production index, like already, like if he was drafted today among like drafted NFL wide receivers, it would be in the 70 something, like 71st percentile, above, well above average producer. Uh, amid nothing but five stars and four stars and crazy athletes that's that's just impressive to me and and what I've been diving into here lately just looking at uh, some in-depth other stats it's been fun to see how the NFL has just chased after speed it's just been nuts to see like you know guys like Tyreek Hill blowing it, blowing it up, and then the Chiefs panicking when they thought they were going to be without him, perhaps, and then getting Miko Hardman, and then you've got uh, you know John Ross a few years ago, four two two, people freaking out over speed. Henry Ruggs with him with his speed, really objectively speaking, he's a good wide receiver, but major reach uh, in comparison to the other wide receivers in this class because it's speed. But also, I've found that the NFL loves yak. And they love guys that generate yak at a high clip. And Devontae Smith, among all Power 5 wide receivers last year, was first in yak generated per target. So if he does that again, the NFL is just going to be enamored. Could rise up into that Jamar Chase tier uh, for some real NFL decision makers just based on that alone. I was digging into that stat yak per target in the past four years and consistently every single year, like the top 20 wide receivers in the country with at least like 20 or 30 targets are all guys that got drafted early. It's just crazy. So I, I, I'll i be monitoring that stat as we move forward uh, in, in terms of just predicting perhaps some draft capital by itself, whether or not it's sticky in predicting future production. I don't know, but uh, it's just what I, what I found here recently. But Ohio State, I named a bunch of guys off uh, in a row, kind of spitfire. But for you, Ohio State, who are you most excited about just really overall? I mean, is it is, is easy answer like Justin Fields or is somebody else for you? I, I don't like to take the easy answer, I guess. And 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 <laughs> full disclosure, I'm an Ohio State alumni, so I'm a little sad that you, you kind of cite me on them there. But <laughs> I, I'm I'm actually really excited about Garrett Wilson. I, I want to see what he can do this season. Uh, obviously, maybe we'll be bumped to the spring. Maybe we'll hopefully see him. But even if not, in a year, he's going to be a junior. And he was such an electric athlete and player in high school. And I think last year we started to see him really develop into a big time college player later in the season and, and started to see that this is, this is a guy that's athletic enough 
and big enough to compete with top cornerbacks. He's started to really get a feel for the game, finding holes in zones, uh, really improving his catch technique and catch radius. I thought his body control was getting really good. He was kind of on that verge of breaking out. If it, you know, if, if, if the playoff was, was eight games instead of two games or four games instead of two games, I think we would have seen him become kind of a superstar on the biggest stage. So I, I, I really wanted to see him this year and see if he could almost even pass Chris Olave, perhaps, as the wide receiver one for Ohio State with Justin Fields there. Uh, but I think even in the future, I, I mean, Ohio State just has a factory. C.J. Stroud's going to be coming in and Kyle McCord. Uh, so they're going to have quarterbacks there, and I think Garrett Wilson's going to be able to really light it up and, and maybe be one of the best Ohio State wide receivers that we've seen in a long time. Yeah, and, and they've had some crazy good ones, too, over the years. I mean, when you look at uh, the, the real wide receiver you debate, I mean, they're up there uh, just in about every single way that you can measure. I mean, when you look at draft capital, they've had 12 wide receivers drafted in, in the top 100 since the year 2000. Uh, and since 2000, they are number one in, fan, in fantasy points scored from their wide receivers in the NFL. So, yeah, they've been churning out wide receivers that produce at a high level. So, yeah, I, if I'm going to believe in any type of wide receiver, might as well just be another Ohio State guy. So, yeah, I, I like Garrett Wilson quite a bit. I'm personally super excited about Fields. I really wish we got to see another year of him developing just because he has such a short resume. I mean, he really has one full season in college, kind of junk time at Georgia. That, that's all we have to go off of, but we, we're still so confident that he's going to be a, a top five pick. Just somebody who um, didn't come out of nowhere because he knew it was he had that talent, but kind of came out of nowhere because, wow, the dude only threw like two picks to five bajillion touchdowns last year. Uh, so crazy talent. I'm excited to see what happens with Justin Fields at the next level. I, I think his ceiling may be as high or higher uh, than Trevor Lawrence uh, and his ceiling. Speaking of, I, I'm guessing I know what your next pick is going to be. <laughs> We've got Alabama, yeah. Ohio State, pick one and pick two in the, the college football team draft. So who's pick three here for you? Uh, yeah, it's pretty easy to just take Clemson and, and plug them right in, right? I, th- I think these three are, are a step above the others. When you're talking about the the greatest quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck and Trevor Lawrence, it, it kind of helps kick it off. But, you know, e- even the freshman coming in, as, or as we affectionately call him on the Debbie Marketplace, DJ Ukulele, um, <laughs> is, is <laughs> and Travis gets angry. I, but, I hate that, um, but that's okay. Know, but, I mean, he, I mean he's, he's a, a stud. So now they're just going to go from one stud quarterback to another. I, I think Justin Ross was such a good wide receiver prospect, and obviously with the, with the neck injury and you know what was found there, hopefully he'll be able to play again. Hopefully he'll just be healthy again. But even without him, you know, you, you can't downplay Travis Etienne probably going to be definitely going to be my top running back in this upcoming draft and I think he'll probably be the first one off the board potentially a first round pick just with that speed and that vision and they're bringing in a five-star running back and and Demarcus Bowman who's (laughs) apparently lighting up camp for them so the Clemson just kind of reloads everything you know at receiver outside of Ross I think they have a number of guys that could really step up and become NFL prospects Joseph Nata Frank Ladson even Mark Rogers so I think we'll see some of these players emerge and I mean defense is like the, the same way. Uh, they have, uh, to me, a two stud defensive linemen, Xavier Thomas and Tyler Davis, who are two potential first round picks. And then they're, you know, they're bringing in freshman Miles Murphy, who's uh, uh, just a five star stud. So, I, you know, I, I think this is a team that that has finally gotten to the point of reloading. And as you talked about in some, some of these college U um, podcast episodes, Clemson kind of has just recently come on. We, we yeah. think, I think we, I feel like I think of them and I'm like, oh, this is a team that's been dominant forever, but man, this is new and they're not going away anytime soon uh, with, with NFL talent. No, they're not going away anytime soon. I mean, but when you look at their actual production in the NFL from, you know, the fantasy relevant positions, they, uh, since, since 2000, they're actually barely in the top 30, like they're 28th and fantasy points scored from like quarterback, running back, uh, wide receiver, and tight end. But in, since 2010, last 10 years or so, they've kind of come on strong up to 11th. And in the past five years, they're eighth. Uh, we've seen the draft capital start to come and just start to flow for a bunch of these guys. And we're going to see it again with Trevor Lawrence being selected probably first overall next spring. We're probably going to see Travis Etienne at running back being drafted early next spring as well. He just, I mean, puts up ridiculous numbers, averaging almost eight yards per carry in his entire career, having like more than five yards after contact per carry. 
last year. Just absolutely absurd showing his strength and balance uh, just to continually add yards after contact for a guy who actually is actually he's just recently trimmed down to about 200. I hope he kind of adds some NFL weight. Uh, by next spring because we don't really see a bunch of guys uh, succeed at, at a lower weight. Uh, but, man, they've been just killing killing it uh, at the wide receiver position. Uh, their defensive line has been insane. And really, hats off to their recruiting because that is that that is what has changed the game for them. They were not in the, the stratosphere of the, the top-tier programs until like the past six, seven, eight years. But when you look at the, the college football era, you know, like basically – you know, it started in 2014, but, you know, the recruiting classes that impacted the 2014 playoff were still like 23, 2013, 2012. Like they've been slowly climbing up the board every single year and they've just been getting better and better. And really hats off to Brent Venables, uh, the guy who is one of the best defensive coordinators in the country. And at the same time, since 2014, since he joined the staff, he's brought in 45 players to their team. So it's just Brent Venables. So when you look at the impact of college recruiting on wins and the, the impact of wins on recruiting and that circular momentum that they've been gaining, it's just un, unreal. So I think that's a pretty safe program to take a bet on. So top three, no surprises here. Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson. I'm going to go with pick four here. LSU, probably not a, a surprise to many people either. Just won the national championship. Their, their recruiting is going to keep on, on killing it. They're going to keep on bringing in the top end studs. And really, they've sent a bunch of players consistently to the NFL. In fact, since 2000, they've sent 20 players and just the quarterback running back wide receiver tied in 20 of them in the top 100 of the NFL draft and so they're right up there right next to Alabama and Ohio State and sending fantasy relevant players to the pros Uh, but uh, having Jamar Chase doesn't help or doesn't hurt rather uh, when uh, we're talking about projecting a future NFL success but it's not just that it's much more than just the wide receivers for them they're bringing in uh, a tight end, actually, who might play some wide receiver. All right, Gilbert, who is the, the highest rated 24-7 sports composite tight end ever since they've been rating tight ends. Uh, so that that's decent. Uh, they've got some decent quarterbacks, but they've been cranking out the defensive backs. They've got maybe the best corner in all of college football in Derek Stingley. Jabril Cox from North Dakota State, he's going to plug in that Patrick Queen role for them this year at linebacker could be drafted early right away. Uh, who are you excited about most uh, at LSU? I, I actually really want to see Arik Gilbert. I, I'm going to be honest with you, like seeing the, the number one tight end ever in terms of a prospect 24 seven. And, and you go down that list of the top tight ends that they've rated. I mean, these are guys yeah. with NFL futures, NFL production, like no joke. It's not like, oh, there's a couple busts thrown in. So, I mean, I think that's that's a position in college that usually don't think of really dominant players. Um, it just doesn't happen that often. Uh, you, you look at the guys in the NFL, the Travis Kelseys and the Rob Gronkowskis and Zach Ertz. I don't remember them being dominant college players. You know, a lot of teams just don't use the tight end that way. So I'm actually really excited for LSU to have a tight end that can line up in the slot that, that's so big and dominant. Uh, I think that's such a fun thing, uh, you know, outside, outside of the, the easy Jamar Chase answer. I think Gilbert is going to be really fun. I think he's going to become a household name in a year or two. He's going to be an absolute monster for them. And so, I mean, he's actually, they've already kind of talked about using him as a wide receiver out at X as well as an inline tight end as well as, I mean, he's the the perfect prototype for the modern NFL tight end. So I think he's going to have no problem plugging in right away whenever he does make that transition, even though he's a true freshman now, it's going to be three and out for him no matter what. You know, he's just an absolute unquestionable prospect. You know, one of the one of the rare guys that you think, you know, if, if they made it to where you could just go straight from high school to the NFL, <laughs> he might actually be drafted. But uh, yeah, I'm yeah. really excited to see him and what some of their defensive backs are going to going to bring in a, a couple years here soon. But uh, and really, if they just make another uh, Joe Burrow come out of nowhere, that would be fun with Miles Brennan or even, you know, Max Johnson, son of son of Brad Johnson. That, that could be somebody 
comes out of nowhere here in the next year or two. Uh, but moving on to pick five, your your third pick here, who would you go with in the college football team draft? I, I think there's a couple good choices. I, I'm actually going to go with USC, Southern Cal, kind of the old monster team when I was growing up and really getting into college football. And now I, th- I think they've kind of built themselves back up to a point, right? They're kind of knocked down for a while and they've really built themselves. They used to, I, I think of USC as that old running team with Reggie Bush and Lindale White, and they've kind of become this passing team. And, and it starts with that quarterback with Keaton Slovis. JT Daniels gets hurt. Slovis comes in and you think, oh, he's probably not going to be very good he wasn't that this five-star prospect or anything like that man that the, the kids just he's just lightning accurate and his ball placement as a freshman I, I was floored and this passing game just blew right up and so I think we're really going to see USC develop even more Stephen Carr running back kind of disappointed but I think Keenan Christian has a shot at developing and, and then the receivers are, are really what what sells me on USC as Amon Ross St. Brown I think will be a top 50 pick uh, in this upcoming draft if he declares pro- probably the best St. Brown of, of the three that that's been in college football. And, and he's, he can play kind of a big slot role. I think I think the NFL can move him outside. He can do a lot of things. And I like the next tier of guys they have. Drake London, Brew McCoy, uh, Tyler Vaughn's very, very productive. And they're, they're bringing in some of the young guys in Gary Bryant and Kyle Ford. Even Jude Wolf, their, their freshman tight end last year. I think he's someone that could be an NFL player. And then uh, the defense uh, has some legitimate talent uh, on the defensive line. Uh, Jay Tefeli, one of, one of my favorite linebackers that's not getting talked up too much. Paula EA, uh not uh, to Ote Ote, if I, if I, I pronounce that, that correctly. five times fast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, I, I was trying, but uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean, he's just so, so instinctive and, and, and violent. I love the way that he, his, his hips are, you know, very fluid and changes direction so well can um, really explode through that. And, um, and I think they have some defensive backs too. I, I think just USC has some depth and I think they're getting back to that national prominence um, that, that, uh, I think it's better when you have a West Coast team like that that's really in a top position. So I'm I'm excited to see what they do going forward. Yeah, I wish we could actually see them play this fall. Obviously, that's this first team on the list. That's not we're not going to be able to see their players play immediately. But we just, I mean, I, all the names that you named, are, I'm I'm confident because I think that they're all, all NFL caliber type players. And Slovis is just an absolute monster from an adjusted production metric standpoint. His freshman year, what he was able to do, touchdown percentage, adjusted yards per pass attempt, every angle you try to critique him, it's really hard to find a part of his game outside of, you know, lack of rushing upside or whatever, uh, <laughs> you know, for future fantasy football purposes, I guess. But uh, just really excited for that offense uh, and uh, saves Helton's job for at least one more year. But uh, moving on to pick six here, I'm going to go with Georgia. Going back to the SEC, that gives me two SEC teams. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it is whatever. I, I live in Nashville, Tennessee area, so I might be, be a little bit biased. But, man, they've been killing it in recruiting the past, what, 10, 20 years, realistically. No surprise, past five years, they've been like top three, just straight across the board. I believe right there tied alongside with like Ohio State, right behind Alabama in best recruiting classes across the board. And it shows, like they've been sending some NFL players uh, on the offense and defensive side of the ball. George Pickens at wide receiver was the best freshman wide receiver in the country by far uh, from an adjusted production standpoint. Like, tripled most everybody else's adjusted production numbers across the board for wide receivers really excited to see him in a more vertical uh, offense with uh, Todd Munkin and if you know if we do see some SEC football hopefully we do Jamie Newman uh, quarterback loves to huck it deep you can do that with Pickens so I think Newman could see some draft capital you can kind of break down his game I talked to you know we talked about him some with Kyle on the on the podcast last week but you know he has some placement issues maybe but he was doing some weird stuff at Wake Forest so I think he's going to be maybe a day two quarterback could stick somewhere and get an opportunity JT Daniels right behind him could also be a quarterback the next one and then after that they've got another five star coming in after that a quarterback Brock Vandegrift so they keep on bringing in these good passers even Jake Fromm who didn't have an NFL arm still found his way and got some draft capital but on on the defensive side of the ball I mean they've got some monsters that haven't quite worked out just yet guys like Nolan Smith I'm actually really high on a Kobe Dean I think in limited snaps last year in coverage 
He was one of the best coverbacks in the country on running backs and tight ends. There are some uh, small sample analytics to kind of back that up. I think if he's kind of an every down back this year alongside Monty Rice for them, that could be a lot of fun. So I think that they could have a couple early drafts at, at uh, linebacker and uh, Richard LeCount is going to be drafted uh, early next year at safety. So they've got a bunch of defensive guys I'm super excited about as well. Uh, so could keep on adding uh, NFL playmakers on both sides of the ball uh, and they just keep on bringing it in. I think they had what four, four star wide receivers this year. Just insane. <laughs> but I'm excited for a bunch of players on, on Georgia. I, too bad. I'm not a Georgia fan, actually an Auburn fan, but uh, you know, who are you most excited about on Georgia? I, I really want to see Zamir white finally come into his own. I feel like, I feel like we've been waiting so long for, for this, this just top high school talent and, and the injuries really are so disappointing because I think he could have come in last season and, and I think it could have been, it could have been even better for him. And I think he was just kind of rusty and trying to, trying to come back. And Georgia always uses kind of these bevy of backs. I think they have a lot of talented guys, even bringing in Kendall Milton. Uh, I mean, he, he's going to get some play, but I want to, I want to see Zemir White dominate. I just want to see that happen. I think that possibility is really still out there for him to, to be one of the best backs, not only in the SEC, but in the country. Uh, and and maybe show himself to be a, a true NFL talent and possibly elite talent. So if if you're going to bank on something at Georgia, it's going to be that running game. And uh, I really want to see it come to fruition again. Yeah, and it's funny. I didn't even mention a running back, but they, they you know, they're always <laughs> that running back you conversation. Uh, you know, having Swift and, and Michelle and, and Chubb all come out here recently. Actually, one of my favorite pictures I've ever taken was me like at a Vanderbilt game. It, it was like fifty-two to zero, but I'm like going down, getting the junk time picture right next to the running backs with them in the background. Just uh, and, and I'm, I got my Vandy shirt on too, so everyone's like, "What is this dude doing?" It's like, no, you don't understand. But uh, <laughs> you, you don't get it. But yeah, Georgia is my pick. But uh, so we got Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, LSU, USC. Surprising to some, but I don't think so. I think they've been they've been sending players to the NFL for a long time. Georgia, pick six, pick seven to you, Shane. I'm, I'm going to go with Oklahoma. Okay, I, I about time. I was like, when is this going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> like it has to, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, when you think about when you got Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray, right now, now uh, and Jalen Hurts, now Spencer Rattler, finally a recruit. Uh, for this team is going to step in and play and I'm excited to see what he can do with that high school pedigree and a year to kind of learn the system you know that Oklahoma's offense is going to produce NFL talent I think a running back Kennedy Brooks isn't phenomenal but probably is draftable I think TJ Pledger as well has had some success maybe they can find something there but uh, the receivers there's a lot of talent that I just don't think has quite developed yet right we lost CD Lamb from them but Charleston Rambo is someone that it's Seems like a lot of the national draft guys are very high on that can kind of be relied on if he improves his hands and his game a bit. And then we're kind of still waiting for some of these young guys, the freshman last year, to break out. Jaden Hazelwood injured again. Hopefully he can do something in the future. Theo Weiss, uh, Trayon Bridges. I think they have some receivers that can uh, have some talent, even tight end. I think Austin Stogner has an NFL future um, with, with, you know, day two, day three kind of draft capital. And Oklahoma has, I think, has some defenders coming up. And Ronnie Perkins at on the defensive line, defensive end, Jalen Redmond is, is a really nice young defensive lineman that can produce um, Nick Benito at linebacker. So I think, I think, Oklahoma is kind of, I don't say kind of in a rebuilding phase because college that happens very quickly, but yeah. uh, I think they're young, kind of inexperienced. You know, we've seen just so much talent just thrown out to the NFL guys that transferred in, go to the NFL. Now we're going to see some of these young kind of homegrown talents and really see what they can do. Yeah, I, I like it. And, and I think you really can't argue Oklahoma, that value going pick seven. That's crazy. They've been sending some uh, playmakers, fun play, playmakers for fantasy football, like with Marquise Hollywood Brown, CD Lynn. I mean, Joe Mixon still hanging around doing great things. Uh, Mark Andrews, a bunch of guys that we like, a bunch of quarterbacks we like. I mean, they've just been killing it on the offensive side of the ball. Defensively, you know, some some question marks, uh, but really can't knock them at all. But Kennedy Brooks, I mean, he's in line if they do play a full slate of games this year. He could have three 1,000-yard seasons for Oklahoma. I mean, that's that's some NFL, you know, GM is going to be like, wait, hold on. Hold on, hold on wait, why are we not drafting this guy? You know, it's like, you know, like, but so Kennedy Brooks could be an interesting pick. But yeah, Rambo, I like, I mean, dude, his, his name's Rambo. He's going to be good, too. So 
how about that for some analytics right there? But pick eight here in the college football team draft. I'm going to go with Penn State, a team that I, I think is stacked on both sides of the ball, especially for 2021. They have probably one of the most interesting top four or five players of any school, perhaps even without this year for the Big Ten. Journey Brown, controversial running back, but I think he's running back four or five, maybe six at worst if some player blows up this fall. just He's going to kill it at the combine. He's going to run a four, three something, or maybe four, four something. Then you got Pat Fryermuth at tight end, who's going to, a bunch of people, he, he wears the same number as Gronk, so a bunch of people says, you know, he's he's the next Gronkowski, and he kind of looks like it too. So one of the best, one of the, the top three tight ends next year, I'm really excited about him, but Micah Parsons is the best player on the team. Linebacker uh, is a do-it-all, just high-motor, all-over-the-field kind of defender. So I'm really excited to see what what he does. I mean, like every kind of number you want to get into, like his missed tackle percentage, his, his coverage skills, every, even like his pressures, he shows up in the stat, stat sheet some. So they're kind of stacked uh, on defense beyond him, too. They've got Jason Owa, I believe is how you say his name, but he's just an unreal athlete, runs like a, seriously, at defense, Defensive end, they they've clocked him running in the four threes, which is just insane. I, I don't know how how valid that's going to be, but in, in, even if he gets sub four five and he's a defensive end, he's going to fly up boards just because he's a he's a lanky pass rush specialist. And then Shaka Tony, I think he's going to uh, get some draft capital also on the defensive line. But they they just keep on bringing some talented players to the NFL. I'm interested to see who they break out for wide receiver because Jahan Dotson is that going to be the guy? I mean, he he reminds me a little bit of Emmanuel Sanders uh, can he kind of fill in the shoes of KJ Hamler you know after Firemuth is gone this year uh, and maybe things look way different next fall for them but do you like any players that I've named or others that I've, I've missed at Penn State I, I was really hoping that the Big Ten would play this year uh, just just to see Journey Brown and, and yeah. see him develop because I was I was one of those guys on the like the Ricky Slade bandwagon right hey, before no, last too. year and and yeah <laughs> you know uh, hey, maybe maybe old Dominion, he could still do something. But um, and then when Journey Brown started to get more carries and more carries, I was like, who is this? Guy? You know, and you watch him, <laughs> and, and he has legitimate four four speed, gets up the top speed so quickly. And and Penn State's kind of becoming that mini RBU with with Saquon Barkley, and Miles Sanders. So I really wanted to see him again, and I think the NFL probably wants to see him again. But even if they don't play, and he comes out and does really well at the combine, I think someone would go back to that tape and be excited. And then they have a lot of those young running backs coming into it they're just such a fun kind of hard-nosed team to watch that always always plays well and always plays tough yeah absolutely well pick nine this is gonna be your last pick no pressure so get this one right here the college football team draft who you got pick nine yeah, is this a tough one? I'm um, between two, but I'm going to go a little just with a little top heavy team, I think, to me. And I'm going to take North Carolina, uh, which is, is kind of going off the board a little bit. But nice. I, I'm, I'm going to trust in Mac Brown here because I look, Sam Howell, I think, is the QB one for the 2022 class. Uh, I, I thought he was electric. I think he is him and him and Keaton Slovis are going to be those top guys and and how um, has a little bit more of that juice in his arm and uh, his the zip on his ball is just great. I think he's technically sound for a freshman last season. They really coached him up well. So I'm excited for him. And then I think that receiver duo is much better than the national credit out there. Dimey Brown is um, a really powerful, really strong receiver, has a good speed and really good foot speed. I mean, he doesn't waste his movement very much, and so it's really tough to cover him. And I think Daz Newsom's underrated. I think he's he's a legitimate NFL talent. And so to have kind of this quarterback to receiver kind of connection happening, that's good. I also think linebacker Chaz Surratt is a first-round pick, maybe a second-round pick. He's really good on the inside. So I think you have four really good talents there. And then some young guys that can do some things, running back, Michael Carter, Javante Williams showed something. And and I think that one thing that I think you're going to see with North Carolina, the, the freshman receivers they have coming in, they're not high star guys, but if you go and watch them, I mean, they, they are really good. Ray Rose, Josh Downs, I, I think they're going to end up being big stars for this team. So I'm going to project a little bit. I think Mac Brown is bringing this team to compete with Clemson in a few years. And I think North Carolina uh, is, is kind of a sleeper in the future. Man, you know what? You, you stole my pick. Like, seriously. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, he's not. There's no way he's going to take North Carolina. I'm just going to slide them in. No way it's going to happen. Not, no way. But no, I love it. And Sam Howell, man, he, he's 
He's my quarterback one up there with Slovis for 2022. Sam Howell is just a monster. Like throwing 38 touchdowns to seven picks, uh, almost beating Clemson in his first year. Just talked about that with uh, Braden Gall in the first segment, but he just looks legit. I cannot wait to see what he does in the NFL. He's got a little bit of uh, Baker Mayfield in him. He's got that. He's a little shorter. He's not the tall, prototypical pastor, but man, he has a lot of uh, good adjusted metrics going for him uh, in his first year as well. I love Diami Brown. I really hope uh, his drop percentage is a little higher than you want to see, but I really hope both of those guys somehow sneak into day two next year because <laughs> uh, I think they yeah. both have that kind of talent. Daz is more of like I think he would actually be better suited to be a slot at the ne- next level. Diami, I think, can be inside or out. I think he has that versatility. I like Diami a little bit more, but Chaz Surratt is talented and and really they're bringing in a bunch of fun recruiting classes here in the near future uh, even after this year you mentioned josh downs ray rose i think gavin blackwell next year will do good things for them kamaro edmonds is going to be that, the best running back prospect that they've had maybe ever they're inserting themselves in the the top tier uh, of some of the best schools in the country from a recruiting standpoint this year i think early on they're, they're a top 10 school right now uh, for the recruiting cycle uh, it's a little bit early to call, but man, they're, they're doing some great things. Can't knock what they're doing at North Carolina. My mad you stole my pick, but I'll get over it. <laughs> I, know, I, know. I know what you're going to do now, you know? <laughs> yeah, you know, I'll just, I'll just stay in the SEC. But, <laughs> but no, really, I, there's a bunch of schools here that we could get into. Uh, just based off of like one or two players alone and and what their impact could be. I think I'm going to go with uh, Texas A&M, actually. Going to go with Jimbo. Uh, I think he's going to feed uh, some of his guys here in the upcoming seasons. Isaiah Spiller, I think this is the year that, that he defines himself as the running back one in a very weak 2022 class. I think he kind of can assert himself as the number one overall guy there. Jimbo loves to feed his feature back. And then DeMond DeMoss, the wide receiver, true freshman, missed his entire last year of high school eligibility due to a weird transfer rule. Uh, and so, But he was still a five-star. He still got the five-star rating missing an entire year. Like the dude is just, if anybody's going to be like the next A.J. Green and the next Julio Jones, the next Demarius Thomas, the next what, Calvin Johnson, what, whatever the, the the freak that you think of at wide receiver that comes out, uh, and we just know he's going to hit from high school. That's that's him. So he had maybe the the best freshman wide receiver in the country. Jamon Osmond could make an NFL wide roster, also wide receiver. Uh, Baylor Cup and Jalen Widenwire at tight end could could make NFL rosters, and I think some teams gonna give give a look to Kellen Mond just because of the upside he flashes. I mean, he looks like maybe a bad comp for for some people, but he looks like Colin Kaepernick did uh, in college. I think uh, somebody's gonna see the upside there of his intangibles and just bite there. And then you got Moose or Moose Muhammad the third wide receiver, another true freshman. I'm excited about him for no if, if for no other reason than he is one of the most disrespectful reps and catches of all time like uh, he was at some wide receiver camp and he absolutely burns the guy off the line you know it stacks him has time to literally blow him a kiss and then just jumps up and mosses him (laughs) and unreal yeah so i mean yeah i'm really looking forward to seeing uh, their, their offensive skill players for a while i think they've got a couple quarterback prospects coming in haynes king this year eli stowers next year that could inherit the role there and lead and them and them really not have any break at the, the top tier quarterback play for as far as sec schools go anyway uh but uh, and really they've got a bunch of defensive backs to get excited about also so they're really i think they have i feel like right now they have five like four or five star just safeties so somebody's going to hit, somebody's going to go to the pros. Uh, so Texas A&M. So to recap, in the college football team draft, we've got Alabama pick number one, Ohio State, Clemson, LSU, USC, Georgia, Oklahoma, Penn State, North Carolina, and Texas A&M. The top 10 schools that we believe are going to have the most successful NFL draft prospects you know some of these teams are a little bit more top heavy than others you know it helps having like a Justin Fields like who's probably gonna be a top five pick next year helps having a Sam Howell for North Carolina probably gonna be a maybe be the first overall pick uh in 2022 any other schools you think we we perhaps left out Shane 
I, I, I think you're pretty good. Um, you, you mentioned Texas. I think they're pretty loaded. Uh, I, th- I think another one kind of top heavy, maybe Louisville. Um, I, Ooh, mean, I like that. T2 Atwell a few, yeah. few weeks ago, but I, th- I think JVN Hawkins, his production profile is so good. And even though he's a smaller guy, uh, and Michael uh, Cunningham, a quarterback, maybe he has a possible NFL future if the NFL keeps developing. So I think that that's a school that's kind of underrated that might be on the up too. Yeah, I think having a Lamar Jackson kind of pad the stats and, and, and get everyone pumped for the school, uh, that's been helping them in the past couple of years. And, and you see that in the recruiting and what they're doing with their offense play ma- playmakers. But Satterfield and what what they're doing there schematically on offense is just a lot of fun. Mikhail Cunningham's going to have a, a really good season. Uh, but yeah, they've been on the come up just for fantasy football production purposes. I think they've been in the past five years, 19th. Uh, in fantasy points from quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, among all uh, colleges in the country. So, yeah, like that is a low-key school to keep an eye on as well. Arizona State maybe with Jaden Daniels coming up and uh, some running backs and maybe some wide receivers still to to get excited about. But, uh, yeah, this has been a blast, just kind of drafting some of these best schools, talking about the best players that are 2021 draft eligible, but, you know, well beyond that is also. But if, if you guys want to follow along uh, with – the uh, draft, the nerdy draft we're doing, it's 100 rounds. It's it's players on both sides of the ball. <laughs> we're, we're trying to predict the future here. Not No offensive linemen, not getting that that deep. But, uh, yeah, not, not that far. <laughs> no punters. No, no punters, punters yeah. no kickers. <laughs> but uh, we're drafting some crazy stuff. What What's the handle for that, that draft people want to follow along? So on Twitter, it's Pinnacle of Devi. You can you can follow along, and I, I tweet out every pick and group of picks kind of a couple times a day. So you can always check in, and, and I'll tweet the link to the the full draft board if you want to see kind of where we ended up. But uh, we've, we've we've been going strong now for almost two months, so we're we're getting there. We're in the seventies. It'll be uh, wrapping up sooner than we think. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, I appreciate you uh, coming on, Shane. And yeah, thanks again to Braden Gall uh, for joining us as well. But Shane, anything else you want to kind of pitch or plug before we sign off here? Absolutely. Just check out the Debbie Marketplace with uh, me and and Kane Fussell. Um, you can just look it up on any any podcast, wherever you get them, you can find us. And so we definitely talk more Debbie value and uh, when you can sell guys, buy guys, um, how you should kind of uh, try to find guys with draft capital. So definitely something people could be interested in. And thanks, Travis, for having me on, man. It was, it was a blast doing this and definitely uh, excited to to come on here and excited to to keep chatting with you in, in our draft. Yeah, absolutely. And it, one of my favorite people to talk to about uh, Debbie Fantasy Football Leagues and college football players, future NFL prospects, everything there. So, yeah, thanks for joining me here. But uh, listeners, feel free to leave a rate and review for the show. It really helps. Really enjoying the love that I've been getting for the show through eight, eight episodes now. Just been a blast. Had some great guests on, uh, but uh, asked some great questions to me personally via DM. And it, this has been a lot of fun. But, yeah, just leave a question in the review and we'll get it on the show here soon. But yeah, thanks for listening, and I look forward to you joining me soon for many more episodes of the College to Canton podcast. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is back in action, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, BetOnline sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Ory. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Pandemic. Visit BetOnline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE.